The Baltimore Orioles this season have played their best with their backs against the wall. And they're going to have to show us that they can do that at least one more time. As the O's are now in an 0-2 hole after an ugly 11-8 loss to the Rangers in Game 2 of the ALDS on Sunday. I'll break it all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, October 9th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap game two of the ALDS as the Orioles fell again to the Texas Rangers, this time 11-8, to and fell into an 0-2 hole in this best-of-five ALDS, now facing elimination as they go to Texas for game three on Tuesday. And basically, we're focusing fully on game two in this episode. The entire pod will be the five things you need to know from the Orioles' loss on Sunday, breaking it all down right here on a Monday episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. And kind of before we get into everything that happened this weekend and specifically here on Sunday, if you do want a recap of Saturday's Game 1, a game that was a little closer and probably a little cleaner played by the Orioles. For the first time, I did do a weekend episode on the pod. Came out Sunday morning recapping game one of the ALDS, so make sure to go back and check that one out. But we're going to dive here into game two in just a moment here. Orioles and Rangers, an 11-8 to loss for the O's. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So it's Rangers eleven, Orioles eight. Final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Sunday evening in Game Two of the ALDS, and the O's are in an O two hole. And listen. I'm not going to play the narrative ball of the Orioles were too young. They weren't ready. They didn't come prepared. You know, they were too rusty after the five days off, whatever it may be. They were beaten in two different ways in these two games by the Rangers. Game one, the Orioles pitched it well, didn't get the bats going, shut down by the Rangers' arms. Game two, the Orioles outhit the Rangers, scored eight runs. Their pitching was horrendous. I mean, no other way to go around it. When one went up, the other went down. Hopefully, they can pull it together. Game three in Texas, keep their season alive. Listen, this is an Orioles team that a lot of times this year has lost the first two games of a series, only to come back. This is a team that hasn't been swept since May of 2022. Hopefully that first sweep to end that streak is not in their first full postseason series in nine years. And yet, here we are. The O's are backs against the wall because the 11-8 loss on Sunday. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from that one. First thing you need to know is... There's really no way to sugarcoat this one. He was great all season since returning from AAA. He had been a stud down the stretch. I mean, if not for Kyle Bradish, he would have been easily the Orioles' ace. That one-two punch was incredible. But Grayson Rodriguez was just straight-up terrible in his postseason debut. It is not an indictment on his future as a starting pitcher in the big leagues. It is not an indictment on his future as a playoff pitcher and thinking he'll be a guy who can't perform in October. It's really none of that. This is a rookie 
who made his first postseason start with some pressure on him with his team, who was the favorite, down 0-1 in the series and in a best of five. You don't want to go down 0-2. And just having one of his worst games of the season. And I get that Grayson had a similar start earlier this year against Texas at Camden Yards. It was in late May. It was the final start he made before the Orioles demoted him to AAA when he gave up eight runs in three and a third innings against a very similar Texas order. But he's been a very different pitcher since then, since he went down to AAA, figured it out, came back, and has been awesome in the second half. Nothing there would tell you, oh, the Orioles shouldn't use Grayson Rodriguez against the Rangers. That, that's just a dumb take there. But what did happen Sunday is that Rodriguez did look like the pitcher we saw before that AAA demotion. Now, if you remember back to that time, it wasn't like Grayson was bad every single start through that stretch. He was kind of alternating solid start and really bad start. We got the really bad one here on Sunday, and we hadn't seen it in a long time from Grayson Rodriguez, but he lasts just an inning and two-thirds in this game, allowing five runs on six hits. He struck out two, and he walked four, and did throw 59 pitches. Now, I guess the one okay thing here with him throwing 59 pitches is that if they had to and really felt like in a game four in a relief spot on Thursday, they had to go back to him. Maybe they could because he only threw 59 and he would certainly be available to pitch in a game five if the Orioles got there. But otherwise, this was just bad. Five hard hit balls off of Rodriguez, who really struggled the entire way. It was a zero in the first, and then he gave up five in the second and left with two outs. But there was a chance he could have given up a crooked number in that first inning as well. Now, he didn't get help from the home plate umpire, threw a pitch that should have been strike three to Evan Carter with two on and two out. It was clearly a strike, called a ball, loaded the bases. Luckily, Grayson then gets a fly out to strand him loaded and end the inning. But that first inning, he came out there, and he just did not look sharp. And yes, it was still great to strand him loaded, put up that zero. It's always big in a home playoff game. Put up that zero, get the fans on their feet, get the bats to the plate with a chance to take the lead early, but gives up a single, a walk, back-to-back strikeout, then the walk that should have been a K, and then the fly out to Jonah Heim. But he just wasn't crisp, and he comes back out there in the second inning, and he walks the leadoff batter in Nathaniel Lowe, gives up you know, a single to Josh Young, and then things just kind of unravel. Leone Tavares ropes a double to left center field just out of the reach of Cedric Mullins, ties the game at two. He almost turns it into an even bigger disaster inning when Semyon hits a chopper back to Rodriguez and he almost threw it away. I mean, Ryan Mountcastle made an outstanding diving pick to get the out at first on that play. Then he walks Seager. And then you just have another disaster where Mitch Garver hits a little dribbler up the first baseline. Grayson can't decide, does he want to throw home? Does he want to throw to first? Ends up making a bad throw to first. Everybody's safe at the 3-2 game. Then Garcia singles. Carter grounds into a force out. Heim with a single. And all of a sudden, it's 5-2. to two And Grayson's out of the game. And I just, looking at what he did, I mean, listen, he still did miss some bats, right? Like, he was still throwing flashes of good stuff. But when you think about Back to what Grayson looked like before the demotion, it was kind of a very similar thing. Like, he would miss bats back then. He had a good fastball. It had good velocity. That's what we saw. Rodriguez was throwing 100 multiple times in the first inning. He averaged 99 with the fastball of the 44 fastballs that he threw. The velo was way up. His you know season average is 97.4. He was up at almost 99. And the changeup looked good. I mean, the changeup was by far his best pitch. I don't understand why he only threw it 11 times, specifically because there's so many lefties in that Rangers order. That changeup can neutralize left-handers. 
Only 11 of his 59 pitches were changeups, and despite that, he got seven whiffs on the changeup. Six of them were swings and misses. That pitch was incredible on Sunday, and yet he barely threw anything off speed. Of the 59 pitches, he threw 44 fastballs, 11 changeups, two curveballs, and two sliders. That is basically the pitch mix we saw when Grayson really struggled early in the season. He threw a lot of fastballs. Really, the only off-speed he would throw was that changeup because it is his best off-speed pitch, and then he would barely throw a slider or a curveball. And it's something I talked about early in the year when you're watching Grayson. You know, he would try to get a slider in there or get a curveball in there, and he would either miss or miss badly, potentially, and it would just throw off his entire confidence in the pitch, and he would basically go away from it, and he wouldn't throw it again for like five or six more pitches, and he would just keep pounding fastballs. And at some point, he would miss middle-middle with a fastball, and that's when he would get crushed. Or, like Sunday, yeah, he did miss with some fastballs middle-middle, but he was also missing the zone in general too much, and that's how you walk four batters in less than two innings as well. He just did not have command of any of his pitches. And at some point, that changeup was so good, you just got to throw it a little bit more. Like, the Rangers are too good, even you throw 100 to throw 75% fastballs. That Rangers lineup is too, too good. You got to mix it up. And I just felt like, unfortunately, we saw the early season version of Grayson Rodriguez. Just bad command and afraid to throw the off speeds. And that is what happened. You know, he left too many balls up in two strike counts. We saw that a lot early in the season. Got hit hard. Walked some batters. It's just unfortunate. And I hope the Orioles can turn this around, right, and give Grayson a chance to start another playoff game in the ALCS. But it's going to be unfortunate for him that his first postseason start went like that with all the promise and how amazing he pitched down the stretch. That's going to be potentially the final taste in his mouth of his 2023 season. Hopefully it drives him throughout the offseason if that is the case. And again, hopefully this is a moot point because he gets to pitch again in the ALCS. But, you know, Grayson's been amazing. And again, no indictment on his future. But no sugarcoating. He was just really, really bad. And what we're going to get to next is not only was he bad, but because it was game two, because the Orioles dipped into the bullpen in game one, and because they only got five outs from Grayson Rodriguez on Sunday, it put the O's in a relief situation that they did not want to be in. And coming up next, I'll talk about how that kind of unraveled too and why it really did all start with the short start from... Rodriguez. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, we are sitting here and we are hoping, truly, truly hoping that the Orioles can get another home game in this series, right? They've got to win two in a row in Texas. That is the goal. But if they do, they'll get to come back home on Friday for Game 5 of the ALDS. And if that happens and you're looking for tickets, look no further than Game Time because you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to the next big game. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sporting events you want to attend. they got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seats, and the best price guarantee. Game Time, it takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. My favorite thing about game time is that you can buy the tickets up to the day of the event. I did it before during the regular season this year. I bought a ticket just outside of Utah Street on game time with a flash deal. It, it, it dropped the prices significantly about 30 minutes before first pitch. 
I bought the ticket, and here's the best part. It gets sent directly to the GameTime app on your phone. You don't have to fish through your text messages or your emails to find it. It's right there. I scanned it, and I walked into the ballpark. GameTime, it is really that easy. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So the Orioles fall to the Rangers 11 to 8 in game 2 of the ALDS and are now in an 0-2 hole in the series. We're recapping that game and the second thing you need to know from that Orioles loss is because Grayson Rodriguez was bad and he only lasted an inning in 2 thirds, only got the O's 5 outs. And remember, you know, they did have to use some relievers. Bradish going four and two-thirds on Saturday, although the rest of the bullpen pitched really well, getting those final 13 outs despite not being able to get the victory. What that meant Sunday, with Rodriguez only getting five outs, is you had to dip into the part of the bullpen you would rather not use in a close postseason game. And, and even though he gave up five in the second, like it was still a five-to-two game in the third inning, of the playoffs like that is still a close game a lot of baseball to be played in the postseason there and just a three-run game and you know Brandon Hyde went to Danny Coulomb who got a big strikeout to leave a couple of runners on base and, and keep it five to two and finally get that five run top of the second over but then you're kind of in a tough spot if you're Brandon Hyde and the Orioles bullpen because you have three guys in the pen that are on the roster because you could use them but you would rather not and the plan would be we stay away from these guys because they're not our top relievers. Those guys are Brian Baker, Jacob Webb, and Jack Flaherty at this point. But because you only get five outs from Rodriguez and because you used a lot of guys Saturday, you have to, I mean, there's no way you survive that game without at least using one of those guys. And most likely the O's were going to have to use two of those three guys to get through Sunday's game. They ended up using all three. And it's unfortunate because in the third inning, Brandon Hyde goes to Brian Baker. And I get Right, Baker just was not the same pitcher this year than he was in 2022. I still believe he's got the stuff to do it, but the results just weren't there. He was kind of a surprise add to the playoff roster, but you know I get it when the Orioles just felt like they couldn't trust Fuji at all, and with the John Means injury, they went with Brian Baker as that final pitcher on the roster. And like I said with Jacob Webb on Saturday when he came in and gave up the homer to Josh Young, you just feel like, okay, if there's a Jacob Webb spot in the game, it's probably bottom of the order, two righties up, bases empty, in the sixth inning. That felt like a good spot to use him on Saturday. Similar to Brian Baker on Sunday, just felt like, okay, if Baker's going to be on this roster, and especially after Grayson only gets five outs, and you need to use him, because you, you, you kind of had to to just get through nine innings in that game, you know, it's a pretty simple spot for him, and the best spot you could put him in, third inning, down five to two, with the bottom of the order, eight, nine, one, due up. Not a terrible spot to put Brian Baker in there. And he gets Young to fly out to start the inning. And you're thinking, okay, like we're not asking for more than three outs from Brian Baker. Just keep it five to two, get us three outs, and you've done your job for the ALDS. Then he did what he did a lot this season, and he just lost the strike zone. And he walked three batters in a row, and it was ugly. And, and Brandon Hyde, rightfully so, after he does that, comes out and pulls him because you got to keep the game close. But here's the other issue. Like, yes, you can argue, oh, if you're putting Brian Baker in, you got to have a reliever warming right behind him. Well, there is a three-batter minimum, and you're not expecting him to walk three batters in a row. Like, as bad as he's been at times, he's got stuff, and he can get people out, and you're not expecting a major leaguer to walk three batters in a row, but that's what he did. So Jacob Webb 
probably ends up being the guy who can get ready the fastest and get out there on the field to just get Brian Baker out of the game. Would I have liked to probably see Tyler Wells more so in that spot? Yeah, but maybe it takes Webb a lot shorter time than Wells to warm up, and maybe that was just easier to get him into the game at that point. I mean, probably the one decision I disagreed with from Brandon Hyde on Sunday was was going to Webb there. Like, if you... If in a, a situation where, you know, anybody could get ready in time, I probably would have gone to Tyler Wells in that spot. But otherwise, you're in an impossible situation when your lockdown rookie starter gives you only five outs a day after you had to use the bullpen. So you go to Baker, he's got co- no command, and then you go to Webb, and he gives up another homer. And it just stinks, right? Because you're like, can he get out of this, maybe limit the damage, and just a 3-1 fastball up, Mitch Garver demolishes it over Baltimore, and all of a sudden, it goes from a 5-2 to two game where you're saying, we're not in a great spot, but if the bullpen can hold like they did Saturday, we have the offense to come back to, oh my gosh, it's 9-2 to two in the third inning, and this game feels completely over. And that is what happened on one swing. And kudos to Webb for at least like settling down and, and you know getting five more outs and, and keeping it at the 9, but that's the whole thing here. Like you were kind of forced to use one or two of those guys because you got to get more than five outs from Grayson Rodriguez. And they did end up going to Jack Flaherty after that. And Flaherty did an okay job. I mean, he loaded the bases with no outs in the fifth, but squeezed out only giving up a run. And then he did throw a scoreless six. So two innings, one run from Jack Flaherty with the struggles he's had. I mean, not too bad for his first playoff outing with the Orioles there to kind of somewhat keep them in the game in the middle innings. But you're at the point where, you know, you get the five outs from Grayson. And here's the big thing that not enough people were talking about after that game is that the John Means injury didn't just shorten the rotation. It shortened the bullpen, too, because John Means presumably was going to start one of these four games, which meant either Kyle Gibson or Dean Kramer was going to be in the bullpen. Now, Gibson was warming in the ninth inning of Sunday's game. He did not pitch. But Gibson and Kramer, I mean, it pretty much looks like are going to be the game's three and four starters in Texas, right? Like, unless you really want to go Kyle Bradish on short rest on Thursday, it's going to be Kramer and Gibson, which means your long guy in the pen is Jack Flaherty. If you had John Means, you probably still have Jack Flaherty in there as the mop-up guy. Means is in the rotation. Say Gibson's the other reliever, and you have Dean Kramer, a trustworthy long relief guy who you probably put out there in the third inning and just kind of say, go to town, try to get us to the sixth or the seventh. But without means, it shortens that bullpen a lot as well. And that was a big factor here. It just looks completely different without John Means on the roster. And I got a lot of like, oh, they should have gone to Jack Flaherty in the third instead of the fifth, you know, instead of Brian Baker. Here's the thing, like, how much of a difference is Jack Flaherty making versus Brian Baker? I mean, these are the same people who wanted Jack Flaherty DFA'd a couple of weeks ago, and they're calling for Flaherty over Baker. Like, to me, it's six one, half dozen the other. Like, what what difference is that making? You're seeing other people say, oh, Cole Irvin should have been on this roster. You know, he would have been a better long reliever. Like, weren't you all complaining about Cole Irvin all season? Didn't he spend most of the year in AAA Norfolk? You know, I saw calls for, oh, Mike Bauman should have been on this roster instead of Brian Baker. Nick Vespi should have been on this roster instead of Brian Baker. Like, Listen to the names you're talking about and the level of struggles that they have had this season. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, the Orioles should have a better pitching staff to where they don't have to have Brian Baker and Jacob Webb and this version of Jack Flaherty on the postseason roster and in the bullpen and have to go to them in this game. They should have more pitching depth, but they don't. Mike Bauman's been terrible lately. Like, Cole Irvin just 
it hasn't been a lot of great success this year. Like Fuji couldn't throw a strike for a while. Like all these guys, are they better options than Brian Baker? Some of them maybe, but marginally, I mean, by a minuscule margin, they could be a little bit better, but are they really giving you that much better in a playoff game? It's like when you've gotten to the point where you're saying, oh, I want the you know shell of Jack Flaherty. You know, Brandon Hyde is such a terrible manager. Should have been the shell of Black Jack Flaherty over the can't throw a strike Brian Baker. Like at that point, you're A, missing the bigger picture, which is this pitching rotation, the injuries hurt him. Bautista means here at the end. And also just they should be more depth out there. And B, just there's no difference. All these guys are mid. Like that's the best way I can say it. Like you just have a bunch of, not middle relievers, but mid-relievers, who you're arguing over. None of them are great options, really, at this point. The Orioles just didn't have the bullpen depth, especially without Felix and John Means, to survive an inning and two-thirds length start from Grayson Rodriguez. It just all stems back to that. And of course, like you can't walk 11 batters. The Orioles walked 11 batters. The Orioles struck out 16 batters and somehow lost on Saturday, then they come back and walk 11 batters as a pitching staff on Sunday. You cannot do that. That, of course, put them in a terrible spot as well. But it's just at this point with that bullpen, and yeah, like, you know, it was nice to see CNL Perez put up a zero and Tyler Wells put up a zero and, you know, Yinyer Cano unfortunately gave up a run in the ninth, but he at least got in there to get some work. And it's just, you can't get five outs from the starter at that point. And When you put guys on the roster, you got to use them at some point, especially when you're getting no length. And would I have rather had a better pitcher than Brian Baker and Jacob Webb and Jack Flaherty? Of course. But do those guys exist on the Orioles 40-man roster? Like, I don't really know if they do. And that's probably the bigger issue at play here for the Orioles. But, of course, the pitching struggled in this game. But the offense, after really struggling on Saturday, did pick it up. And did give the O's a chance on Sunday. We'll talk about the offensive players who shine despite the loss to finish off the pod coming up next. So the Orioles now in an 0-2 hole in the ALDS after losing to the Rangers 3-2 Saturday, 11-8 on Sunday. They got to try to find a way to bounce back. They get the off day here on Monday before traveling to Texas for Game 3 at Globe Life Field on Wednesday night with their season on the line. This is a team that's played their best with the backs against the wall. They're going to have to show it. But at least there were some positives on Sunday, right, despite the loss. Like, the Orioles scored eight runs. It was after an offensive day Saturday that was really, really ugly to watch. The O's offense went out there Sunday, and Jacob Calvin Meyer, the Baltimore Sun, did a good job, like, writing about this Sunday They executed their offensive plan against a Jordan Montgomery who that type of pitcher has given the O's problems. And Montgomery coming into Sunday in 16 career starts against the Orioles had a 3.04 ERA against Baltimore. Now, most of that was done against previous Orioles teams, but still, this is a team in a ballpark he's had a lot of success in. And the Orioles got things going. They exploded early. They got him out of the game early. They got into the bullpen. And those were all things they wanted to do. I mean, eight runs is good. They out-hit the Rangers 14-11. to That's good as well. They hit the ball hard up and down the lineup. And the third thing you need to know from the Sunday loss is that it was just awesome to see Aaron Hicks come through like he did multiple times in that game offensively. Hicks, of course, who did reach base twice on Saturday with the two walks, but it turns out, as Brandon Hyde clarified to the media Sunday morning before the game, 
that the issue in the ninth inning when Gunnar Henderson was thrown out stealing second in game one was that it was, in fact, a miss sign by Aaron Hicks. It was, in fact, a hit-and-run sign that was given. Hicks did not swing, as you are supposed to on the hit-and-run. Gunnar was looking back in to the plate when you usually do to that sign, was left out to dry, and was thrown out at second base. It was a, a blunder by Hicks missing the sign, and it was unfortunate. But it was awesome to see Hicks after a lot of fans using some very weird coded language against Hicks as well recently to see him come out and really deliver. And what was great about his hit in the first inning when the Orioles loaded the bases with two outs, Hicks comes through with a two-run single against Montgomery to put the Orioles up 2-0. It finally gave the O's fans a chance to explode. I talked about this on Sunday's episode recapping game one that Orioles fans had waited nine years for a home playoff game. And they had some chances to like really explode Saturday and they never got the chance in the 3-2 loss. It felt like, I was in the ballpark as well Sunday, we really did get a chance to let it out. The Hicks two-run single puts the Orioles up. And of course, the Rangers come right back and get five in the top of the second to take the lead. But that was a cool moment for Aaron Hicks in this game. And then, just when we thought it was very much over, he had another moment in the ninth. You know, the Orioles kind of got to Brock Burke a little bit, got a couple of hits, forced Jose LeClerc, the Rangers closer, to come into the game for the second straight night, which could be big as this series moves on. And Hicks comes up and delivers a three-run homer off of Jose LeClerc in the bottom of the ninth inning on Sunday. And all of a sudden, like, it made the Rangers sweat a little bit. It made it an 11-8 game. Hicks was all over it, 105 off the bat, traveled 411 feet for his third postseason home run, a three-run shot. And it was really cool to see Hicks have a five-RBI day after the miscommunication blunder on Saturday. Fourth thing you need to know from Sunday's loss, how about Jorge Mateo? I mean, what a postseason debut for Jorge Mateo. I mean, that was unbelievable from Jorge. A four-hit game for Mateo, who didn't get the start against the lefty on Saturday, but did get the start Sunday against Montgomery. He goes four for four with two doubles, an RBI, and a run scored in this game. The Rangers didn't get him out. I mean, he was incredible out of the nine spot for the Orioles. Jorge Mateo, even with that amazing April he had, did not have a four-hit game all year and then does it in his first playoff game. Did not have a multi-double game all year, then does it in his first playoff game. In fact, it was the first time he had had both a four-hit game or a two-double game since August 12th of 2022 against the Rays when Mateo went five for five with two doubles and two RBIs in that game. Again, that was August 12th, 2022 against the Rays last season. So for Mateo to save this for now, like unfortunately it came in a loss, but pretty awesome to see him do that. And it does make you question like, yeah, the Orioles are going to be facing a right-handed starter on Tuesday night in Nathan Eovaldi. And, you know, they probably will see another lefty most likely on Thursday in game four if they get there. But even with the righty on the mound Wednesday, like after a four for four, I would at least consider playing Jorge Mateo at shortstop and starting him in the nine hole again because, hey, if the bat's hot, the O's need it. Maybe get him back out there. He had a good September as well. Hit almost 300 in September. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 11-8 loss on Sunday is that it was cool to see some other hitters really have like their first postseason success as well in this game. Despite the loss, the Orioles did have eight runs on 14 hits, and they just they did not give up. And that's something the Orioles team has done all year, right? They're down 9-2. to two. You think it's over. All of a sudden, they rally a bit in the fourth and get a couple of runs. 
Gunnar Henderson hits a solo homer in the fifth to get a run. They get the three runs in the ninth, get the closer in there. Hicks hits the three-run bomb. Like Even Ryan O'Hearn, the very next batter, drove that ball to left center field. I thought that was going to be a double, and the O's were going to get a chance to maybe bring the tying run to the plate. Unfortunately, Evan Carter made a nice running catch out there, but they were swinging it well in this game despite being down seven runs in the third inning. Some teams would just roll over there. The Orioles did not. And it was awesome to see Gunnar Henderson have a two-for-four day, had a single, had a homer, drew a walk, scored three runs in the game. Austin Hayes with his first, you know, like big time playoff success, three for four with a double and a walk in this game. He reached four times. He had a nice day. Jordan Westberg came through with a double and a run scored. Adley Rutschman had a double in this game. Ryan Mountcastle with another hit. It was just cool to see these guys really come through, getting that first taste of the postseason. And hopefully this postseason ride can be extended because the O's are down 0-2 with two home losses. But as I've said time and time again, When their backs are against the wall, that's when they've played the best. And they get a little rest on Monday. And the O's, who have been the best road team in baseball this year, hit the road on Tuesday in Texas, where they won two out of three in the series down there all the way back in April, the second series of the season. In that series, they won the first two games, then lost the third. Let's hope they can win the first two games and get this back to Baltimore for Game 5. And listen, the Orioles haven't been swept all year. I would not love for them to finally get swept when it matters most in the postseason. And I've got confidence they'll at least get us to Thursday for Game 4. But we still have one more episode between now and then with the off day Monday. I'll be back with you on Tuesday talking a little bit about what went right, what went wrong this weekend for the Orioles in the first two games. Talk a bit more about the roster construction and then what the O's will have to do in Texas to keep their season alive. That's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.